Welcome back to Quack Smack. What a day is it to be a duck? I mean, it's a great day all around. And we'll, we'll touch on the Dan Lanning stuff later on in the show. We still got that on deck. We just talked some women's basketball. Now let's move to the men's side of the hardwood. Oregon men's basketball. What a start this season for this men's basketball team. And I, I think, quite frankly, this has been surprising. Undefeated start in Pac-12 play. 12-3 and overall. Five straight wins for this Dana Altman team. And I, I think that if you would have asked all of us, let, let me ask you. Would you guys have expected this record, this success at this point in the season? Not no. even a little bit. Yeah. See, this has just been a phenomenal <clears throat> start to the season that was completely Completely unexpected, especially when you consider the fact that, well, Nafali Dante's out, Nate Biddle's out. They've been out a majority of the season, and Oregon still has found ways to find wins. And I, I think this has just been an incredible start. The Ducks won up in Pullman this past weekend. Uh, they also were snowed in. I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, they went to take off on uh, Saturday night snow and they couldn't it was too slick and so they had to spend the night in pullman one more night oh and, and a fate worse than death i heard <laughs> <laughs> hey pullman, pullman's not that bad oh no <laughs> pullman is that bad wait, 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 wait. hang on in the first segment levi we gotta back the pacific northwest that's not the pacific Yes, it is. Pullman's definitely the Pacific Northwest. Isn't Pullman like super far east in Washington? That's Washington, so Oregon, Idaho are all part of the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Idaho should not be part. I will stand by this. Idaho should not be part of the Pacific Idaho Northwest. Idaho is Pacific Northwest adjacent. All of Washington, Oregon are 100% in the Pacific Northwest. How do you Northwest. feel about Western Montana, eh? How do you feel the state of Jefferson? I just like... <laughs> <laughs> crazy, crazy quack smack drop. That sounds like a KWVA random chat question. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that, that like, if we're talking Pacific Northwest, we need to split the the nah. the, the states. The, on the entire West state of yeah, Washington, Oregon, are I part of the Pacific I, I, I'm West. understanding what you're saying. Hey, I'm where just, are you from? I, don't worry about it. He's from South Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it, guys. That's tough. That's tough. Um, sorry, I derailed that conversation again. No, I'm bad, kidding. All right, no, no I don't even remember what I was saying, Levi. We we were talking about Pullman. How much Pullman kind of sucks. Hey, Pullman's not that bad. Mm -hmm. But uh, what I was saying was Levi was so strong supporting the Pacific Northwest. I will support the athletics program while acknowledging there are better places to be stuck than Pullman. (laughs) There are better places to be stuck for a night than Pullman. Yeah. I'll throw that out there. I mean, I, I, I can see both sides of the coin. Anyways, let's talk about this Oregon men's basketball team because this has been an impressive start. Uh, you know, they've found success despite the injuries. And really the question that I have for you guys is how have they found this success without Nafali Dante and without Nate Biddle and they've just had to play small ball? I think, Jackson Shellstad. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> the freshman. The, yeah. the freshman's the answer. Shellstad and Kwame Evans have been out of this world players. I think that both came in with a lot of hype, right? But at least from my perspective, Mookie, Mookie Cook was the one who really got a lot of the hype. And that, from my perspective, he was the one that was like, oh, gosh. Mookie I mean, because he played LeBron. Yeah, so there's a yeah. lot of hype around and him. He, now, unfortunately, he was banged up, and he's starting to play. He's getting his legs back under him. He's played a few minutes. That's great. Jackson Selstad and KJ Evans have been knocking it out of the park. It's been incredible to watch. They've been able to run the offense. They've been operating with really one true big man on, on the roster, Mo Diawara. And they've been able to do just fine. And the best thing about this team is, you know we're going to get into this. I understand that. So, Austin, I'll kick it to you. But we know that the team's going to get better with Dante coming back, with Mookie coming back, and hopefully Biddle at some point. Nice of you to, to, to give to me you, a Austin. little bit. Back to you, Austin. Back to you. Yeah, I want to I talk about KJ Evans a little bit. Oh my um, <laughs> he had one really, really good game early in the year against Santa Clara um, with 16-6. and six. 
outside of that, it was a little bit cold. Uh, and then you get into the Syracuse game, and that was like what I think was his breakout game. From then on, he's averaging 12.2 points, 7.5 boards, 2 assists, 2.5 two steals, 2.5 blocks, shooting 70% from 2-point range, uh, 94% from the free throw line. The 3-point shot is a work in progress. I think he would admit that. But you have games where it shines, like that Santa Clara game, uh, like the, the USC, USC game where game. he goes 3 of 4 from 3. Yeah. Really good uh, work from you there, Levi. The 22 and 8 on the USC game. He balled out. It was really fun to watch. And, and he's like a 4-stock guy. Like, we, we stocks, steals plus blocks. He's like a 4-plus stock guy, which is crazy because I didn't expect that coming into the year. I don't need that face, Levi. <laughs> Making I, up words over there. It's just not you, – you know the term stocks. I've never heard that. Really? Like, never. Heard I know that. what stocks are. I'm done. We both watch a lot of basketball, and I don't, I've never heard that for a, for a phrase before. I'll drop it in KWV at random. <laughs> okay. okay. Anyways, That's go a on. Dangerous, with your dangerous proposition. No, that was, I mean that was kind of my my whole point. But here, here's my thing: is I, I agree. I think that you know the freshmen have been great, and I think the big thing about Shellstad over anybody on this team is his minutes. You know, he's second on the team in total minutes behind Jermaine Kuznard, who's really been the leader of this team this season, and. Shellstad has done a great job with those minutes. He started nine games for the Ducks this season, and it just seems like he's getting better and better. It just seems like the Ducks' offense is so much more comfortable with the ball in his hands, and you're starting to see him score. Think about his first game. He had eight points against Santa Clara, working his way back from injury, 15 total minutes in that game against Santa Clara. Well, he scored in double figures in every game since. And he leads the a, team in points per game. It's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. I was told he, was, he he didn't look good at the start of the year. Yeah, can confirm in that exhibition game, he really struggled. Now, part of that was banged up. Yeah. He was working back. But that's just a sign of the progress he's made where he really struggled in the exhibition game, had some tape in the calf, got able to come back, and he's, he's been getting better and better. And that's what's so cool is that he's going to keep developing. Like, this is not the final right. version of Jackson Selstad. That's the best part. And, and he's shooting the ball really, really well as well. Uh, you know, he's had a couple of assists per game, three assists per game in the last three games. If you look at the field goals made, six of nine, seven of 11, seven of 13 the last three games. Like, decently efficient guy, yeah. Very efficient guy. And even more so than that, I think that the big thing, and this goes to just the entire team as a whole. The three-point shooting this year is way above so awesome. expectation. Coming yeah. into this season, I think that's where Oregon fans were thinking, okay, the Ducks can hit shots, they can win some games. But they were figuring— Common, common denominator in basketball, hit yeah. shots, win games. <laughs> Turns out if you score a lot, you will win. <laughs> and they've been scoring. No, no, no. No, but no like, I know what you're saying. But here's the thing is that like when you go into the season, you think about this Oregon men's basketball team, and you're thinking, okay, you have Nate Biddle, and you have Nafali Dante. K.J. Evans is going to get a lot of action early on in the season. Those are three quality big men. Like, Oregon's going to get a lot of their points inside. That just hasn't been the case. And obviously, when you remove Nafali Dante and you remove Nate Biddle, you have to look outside. And Oregon's done a great job at finding options outside and shooting the ball at a ridiculous clip. You have Brandon Rigsby shooting 48% from three-point range. Let's go, Ducks. I thought that was better. Because last time to go Beavs and you guys were all mad, so I was trying to, like, make up for it. It's just like, oh, my God. It's no. just a really tough crowd. Brutal. Uh, that would have killed in front of some of my other friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's my go-to line, by the way. When a joke bombs, I go, man, that would have killed in front of my other friends. <laughs> you act like you have other friends. So I just keep saying that to everyone, and then everyone thinks I have this other group of friends thinks I'm hilarious. It's oh, great. Yeah. It's Anyways, 48% for Ren Rigsby, who, by the way, probably would win the dunk contest on this team. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like If that, I wasn't out there. <laughs> Would have killed Oquendo shooting forty three point eight percent from the field. <laughs> I think it's really I think it's really important to recognize how bad this team's shooting was on paper going into this year. Yeah. Um 
because Jermaine Kuznar is a guy that was a 30% three-point shooter. J. Jeroen Tracy was kind of an unknown as more of a, a slasher wing type from the Juco level. Cario Quendo was sub-30% from three, sub-60% from the free-throw line. Keyshawn Bartholomew is a guy that struggled shooting from three in the past. Jesse Zarzuela was a guy that was supposed to come in and be uh, a big piece, and obviously he's been hurt. The shooting was supposed to be a question mark. Brendan Rigsby shot like 23% from the three-point line last year. He really struggled. And now you have Rigsby shooting 48% Skodox, Kerry Oquendo shooting 44% from three, Shellstad 44, Jadrian Tracy shooting 40%. Like, they, it's a yep. team full of snipers. And, a, and Tracy's just under 40%, 39.5. I was going to say, like, round up. This is we go, round up. We here. round up. It, it, it's only going to get better because, to your point about the women's basketball thing, once they have more of an interior presence, it's going to force the defense to adjust and give more space to the three-point shooters. And that interior presence is going to come from Dante, who I think we can still say a healthy Dante is their best player. So when you add that big man function, that's going to make the three-point shoot easier on the players' teams. So even if they can't keep up the clip, when you uh, average it out for the easier looks they're going to get, this is a sustainable model of success. And the other thing, too, is I think that Nifoli Dante is probably the leader of this team, and he just hasn't been out there on the floor. And because of that, you've started to see Jermaine Kuznard sort of take on that leader role as well as Jackson Shellstead, who's really just proved it on the floor, and players are starting to respect them a little bit more. And so if you add Nifoli Dante back out there, I think this is a dangerous team. And this could be the case up this weekend. We don't know if Dante's coming back this weekend. He might be back this weekend, but... Probably in the next two to three weeks, Dante's going to be back, and that's going to be big news for the Ducks, and I think this is a big, big, big thing. And you're circling that Arizona matchup in the 27th. You think Dante could play for that one, and that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. Remember last year? I do indeed remember last year. The Jermaine Kuznard game. We were talking about the dunk against Arizona. (laughs) 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 It was the Kuznard game. Why do I try? Why do I show up <laughs> to these things? Anyways, besides... No, I'm, just, I'm done. Can I leave? I have, I have acapella rehearsal in 30 minutes. <laughs> That's tough. That's anyway, tough. Anyways, back on track. How big is it that the Ducks could get Nafoli Dante back? Like, what does this do for this team? I mean, I think it makes a team that's really promising and going the right direction only better, which is so... Scary for everyone else, I guess, is the only way to put that. Like, it's going to make everyone else play better when you put a best player on the floor like that. Um, and it's going to take a lot of pressure off of Dante. He doesn't have to carry this team like I think that in some times in the past he's been asked to do. So it's going to make everyone's lives easier all around. And, again, a shout-out to the coaching staff solving Rubik's Cubes, right? <laughs> they were able to figure this one out, and uh, they, they get the added bonus of their best player hasn't played yet. I think – the ceiling is the roof for this team. It's going to be really fun to watch. That's a hot key, by the way. I know. Yeah. I I agree with you 100%. I'm going to not talk anymore. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I think it's big. I think, again, you're adding the best player on the court for a lot of these games. Like, I, I think not only is Infali Dante one of the best players on this team, I really do think he's one of the best players in the Pac-12 when he's healthy. You showed that in game one, 21 boards, uh, an Oregon record. Like that's <laughs> yeah, no, 16 and 21. He wasn't even fully yeah, healthy for that. Just, he didn't even play the full game. Like, like, he, he, he's dominant. Yeah, and, and I think part of the problem with him for the last couple of years is he has like had to be the dude for yeah. Oregon because there really wasn't anyone They've else. They relied so much on him. And that's not the case this year. This team is built for March. I think so as well. I think it's like a Sweet 16 team. I really it's, do. Oh, it's a very, oh, very good Oregon oh, team. Okay. I, 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 and coming into this year, I felt that way about this team. I felt like this was going to be the deepest team that Dana Allman's had. And 
certainly so far that's proven to be the case. Uh, obviously, they've dealt with injuries, and you know you got to shout out Diawari for the job that he's done uh, filling in the big man role, as well as KJ Evans, who has also kind of filled that. He's uh, like a five small role. five. Yeah. They have kind of forced him into the five role, and so I feel like he's going to be a more natural four. Yeah, and you still have Diawara as kind of those rotation big to again take pressure off Dante. You don't want to make him carry early on right so you can yep. kind of like treat him like a pitcher right baseball reference for austin where you don't have to put a lot of <laughs> indians on him you got this deep bullpen back there you can help him out and you're just like so proud of yourself right and, and mookie cook who has only played two games and the limited time that we've seen he's been great you know yeah. he he was a spark plug for the team against washington and I'm really excited to see where this team's going to go, especially working their way back from injury. Obviously, there's a lot of gelling that has to be done on the court, but I think this team has a very, very high ceiling. Excited to see them. Uh, Saturday is their game against Cal. I do want to hit on this real quick before we go and take a break. Uh, Cal, yesterday, 20 points behind against Colorado. They come from behind, win the game by four against the Buffaloes. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah. Yeah, Cal has been kind of a revelation. And, and if you look at the record, six and ten, they're a lot better than that. Yeah. They, they've been really impressive. They had that big comeback win. They beat UCLA for yep. no reason at all. I really thought, like, Cal coming into the season was in that kind of dubious, like, are they the worst program in the Navy? Like, they were in that category of bad, I think, as, after their performance last year. And they've been a revelation where this is, like, going to be a fun game, I think. Like, if you're a Duck fan, you should watch this. One, Ducks are going to be fun. But Cal's competitive. It's almost like you work for the marketing oh, department. Yeah. By the way, free pizza for students. Really? Uh, and there's a dumpling food truck that's going to get free dumplings. Oh, wow. Wow. Shut I'm up. gonna be there as a fan, actually. Yeah, in the snow. In the snow. It's supposed to snow. This How? Is true. Uh, where's the pizza from? Uh, pizza Hut. Okay. It's good. It's gonna be good. It's yeah. gonna be really good. Uh, more on Cal. I think Jalen Tyson is awesome. Like he's oh, yeah. awesome. Uh, Fardos Imok is awesome. You, like you have two really really good players. You have a high low game there that that you really don't. Uh, that you really haven't seen from Cal in the past couple of years. I think Mark Madsen's done an awesome job as uh, a Stanford fan. I'm I'm very very happy to see him not succeeding yet. I don't think you can say that you know they're quite there yet. But a two moving in the right direction, right? Absolutely moving in the right direction. I think you you, you look at, at some of their wins. The last two games are huge. Beating UCLA almost by double digits is big, even though UCLA isn't great this UCLA year. UCLA is having UCLA a might, rough year. UCLA is, like, bad, bad this year. I, but that's, I, oh, but sorry, it's, still, it's still a win in Westwood, and I think that's big. I, I do want to make a point. The point we made at women's basketball with the Pac-12 is crazy tough. Men's basketball, men's basketball sucks. is really bad. There's Arizona we, and everybody No, else. we were talking about that uh, on my show on Tuesday where, like, <laughs> it's Arizona, who I really don't think is as good as, as people say. Like, again, I watched Stanford beat them oh, by 18. But, like, just watching them live, they have Caleb Love, and he's great, but he needs the ball in his hands every play, or else he's a non-factor. Pella Larson does a, a really good job, you know, standing in the corner or on the wing and shooting. Umar Balo, he's just kind of a like a like a an energy problem for them, where if they get down big, he is he's just the the whole like body language thing that you hear, where where it's someone you can who clearly doesn't really care about the game when they get down. Uh, all of those kind of bad blood narratives that you hear about teams when it comes to March. Not, or, or, not a good vibes team. Not a good vibes team. Mm. Uh, and so I think it's it's like Arizona, Oregon, and then everyone else. The, the one thing I will say, sorry, I didn't mean Stanford. to cut you off, You're good. Is, about, is the Pac-12 is really good at home. Five teams undefeated at home this season. And including your Oregon Ducks. Exactly. And Oregon this season, 12-3, and three, 
been really impressive. Arizona, obviously a really good team, and that's going to be the biggest test. But I think Cal is no cakewalk. Like, I think this is a good Cal team. I think Mark Madsen's a great coach. Comes over from Utah Valley where he had some success there, and you saw uh, Fardaz Amak. He transfers over from Texas Tech. Well, he was at Utah Valley with Mark Madsen. Shout out. Two-time WAC player of the year, and now he's at Cal. And, you know, he's had some success there. And you mentioned Jalen Tyson. In this game against uh, Colorado, who, by the way, was in the top half of the Pac-12. I think Colorado's a really good team in the Pac-12. I, I think too. they're a top four or five team in the Pac-12 this season. Well, Tristan De Silva, stud, by the way, brother of Stanford legend Oscar De Silva. We know. But Jalen Tyson had 23 of his 30 points he had in the game in the second half, and he really turned it on in the second half. Obviously, that's what it takes to come back from 20 points down, and they were able to pull it off at home against the Buffaloes. They're riding some momentum. Oregon just one game this week. That's just kind of how the cookie crumbled in terms of how the Pac-12 uh, overall schedule is. You play 20 mm. teams, and one week you only have one game sometimes. And this week it's that one game at home going up against the Golden Bears. Oregon's going to go to Stanford later on this year, just a one-off game against the Cardinal. I, I think this is a cake, not a cakewalk game. I think this is a game where Oregon – has to be on their toes. They could sustain their first loss of the season, but this is a deep Oregon team that seems to be building some momentum. Very exciting stuff for this Ducks men's basketball team. Uh, if you're a student, come get some free pizza and other marketing events. Uh, there's been great marketing events all season long for Oregon men's basketball, and they're continuing it this weekend against the Golden Bears, 5 p.m. against Cal. Come out and support the Ducks this weekend. That will step aside for another break, and when we come back, we'll talk Dan Lanning. He's back here on 88.1. KWVA. 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 You're listening to KWVA Eugene 88.1 FM. If you're looking for some of our best calls, line drive, left field, see you in the supers. And it's high fives for version five. Our daily schedule. Big fly to center field, taking Gindelsberger to the warning track, and it's gone. Or some of the other fun stuff we've got going on, head to our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at KWVA Sports. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you prevent wildfires. Dude, I've got this. I've been camping since I was five years old. But I am a camping influencer. You know what, I'll bet you five bucks. Assistant Smokey, what is the best way to put out a campfire? To put out a campfire, drown with water, stir, drown again. Then make sure the fire is out cold by feeling with the back of your hand. Wait, really? I'll take the five bucks. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. More American Indians live in poverty than any other racial or ethnic group. Since 1989, the American Indian College Fund has helped thousands of young men and women begin a path out of poverty as students at tribal colleges. As more American Indians see a college education as a way out of poverty, full-time college enrollment continues to rise, along with a continued need for support. Help a student, help a tribe. Learn more at tribalcollege.org. A public service message from the American Indian College Fund. This is former assistant sports director Adam Sussman. Let's get back to the best show in Eugene, Quacksmack. Smack. 
We're back here on Quacksmack, Director's Edition, Nate Yuretsky, Austin Oda, Levi Bergstolz, and you know who else is back? Dan Lanning. This morning he announced that he's coming back to Oregon next season to be the head coach for the foreseeable future. He's going to be here for the long run, and that's the exciting news. And why is that exciting? Well, there was a lot of rumors yesterday about whether or not some guy named Dan Lanning was going to be heading to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Whether he was in Tuscaloosa. Whether he was Ooh. in Tuscaloosa or not. To replace the legend, Nick Saban, the greatest coach of our generation, potentially of all time in college football. And, well, Dan Lanning, he said the grass is damn green in Eugene, and he's back here with the Oregon Ducks. I, I just want to say, the video this morning, pretty hype. Amazing. I what, woke up to that. What, what was your guys' reaction? Get, walk me through your morning and <clears throat> when you saw that video. Um, I was at a friend's birthday party last night, so I woke up a little later than usual this morning. I <laughs> uh, woke up to <laughs> many a text about, about Dan Lanning, and I was like, eh, well, I'll, I guess I'll just open the Bird app, uh, and uh, which isn't even the Bird app anymore. Um, but I, I did open up Twitter, for, uh, X, formerly Twitter, as we, we say in our 24-7 posts, um, and uh, the beautiful sights and sounds of, of Dan Lanning on Twitter. Uh, it's just awesome. I'm just so happy. I'm, I'm so happy. I think it's funny, though, that we're like, like, he didn't even, like, sign an extension or anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, he really was just like, I will honor my contract. I will say that I spoke with the first tweet I saw. I was, like, a Washington fan or something. It's like, this might be the first coach in history to drop a hype video to announce he's not leaving. <laughs> it's like, that's, again, this is from the guy who fights for wins, not for clicks. Like, we love Dan, but I like the showmanship. Um, I went to bed pretty convinced, if I'm being honest, that Dan was going to leave. Um, that really? Was, that was my gut feeling. I said a gut feeling. I thought that. I think when we talked about Dan the first couple of years, he started to have success. He said, if we think he's going to stay, there's one job, maybe two that will take him. It's Alabama, Georgia. And then the job came open. And um, I, I was pretty convinced he was going to leave, uh, to be honest with you. And so to, to have that, that was during a lecture, um, and it dropped. So, uh, a fine lecture, sports finance, shout out, 45. <laughs> um, but nope. it, was, uh, it, was, it was pretty hype. And I think that, one, if Dan turns down, well, I think we can all agree is probably the best job in the nation at the very worst top five. Yeah, I nation. really think this is like one of the best best job openings yeah. ever. No, I, the, the I, fact that he turned it down is just. I think that we know that he's going to be here for a while, and that's pretty cool if you're a Duck fan. Just be like, hey, this is a guy who loves it here. And again, I'm not saying 10, 20, 30 years. I'm saying I think five to eight years, you know he's going to be here. And all the signs we've seen is that he will build an absolute powerhouse that can contend for national titles here in Eugene. I think that it's big that he stays. Now, here's where I'm going to disagree with you guys, and this is one thing that I was no, thinking we, about last so night. Positive. I, no, I think this is extremely positive. The one thing that I do disagree on is Alabama that much better of a job than Oregon? Like, at this point in the career, because for I, so— I see, I see your point. And, and for so long, Alabama was doing great in recruiting. Obviously, they have great facilities. You're in a great location geographically for where a lot of top recruits are. But what was Alabama's sell? It wasn't the academics. It wasn't necessarily anything other than Nick Saban's our coach. If you come here, you're going to win a national championship. Coach Saban— Every four-year player that stayed won a national championship. Without Nick Saban, does Alabama still have that same appeal? Yes, I, I think I it's think so. Still, here, it's here's still my, Alabama. Here's like my point: is I think that, but, but, but if you fast forward five years, I could see the shine of worn off. But right now, if you're a coach or you're a player, I think you are going to the best roster in football 
or the second best roster in football. And I think people don't understand the gap between Alabama, Georgia one, and then number three, four, five, six. It's a big gap. And I think people don't understand that because the SEC didn't make the championship game. Like it is what it is. Bama beat Georgia and then Bama, unfortunately, Mill Roads couldn't get it done, to be to be honest with you, against Michigan. That was a winnable game. They had the ball in overtime, couldn't could have punched it in, right? I think that that's the premier roster football. So to your point though, Knight, in five years, if the next coach suffers or doesn't do great, the shine could wear off and they could become a normal tier one job where it's great facilities, great boosters, all that. They could become it's like a normal great job. But I think right now, they're still the throne as far as like that's the place you want to be. But again, if you fast forward five years, the shine could wear off a little bit. And, and I agree. I think that if Dan Lanning goes there, Alabama continues their success. Heck, who knows? Even if Kalen DeBoer goes there, maybe they have the success. He hasn't had the same success recruiting-wise as Dan Lanning, which has always been what Alabama's been about. Good recruiting and building on to a great roster. Well, I think that Alabama without Nick Saban's not that great of a job. Think about this. Before Nick Saban... Alabama was just a mediocre SEC team. And, yes, there was Bear Bryant way back in the day, but after Bear Bryant retired, Alabama went back into normalcy. And I think that's kind of where we're at in this state of college football where Nick Saban's gone. If Alabama doesn't make the greatest hire right now, let's say Kalen DeBoer gets the job. There's been reports that he potentially could have that job. What happens in three years if they have an eight-win season? Do then they fire Kalen DeBoer because he had an eight-win season and they want somebody more elite? And then at that point, is Alabama kind of just a normal roster at that point? I, I think the biggest argument against Alabama is you're right that it could fall back to earth. But I think the biggest argument against Alabama, and this is the one I talked about with some of the people in my life, where it's like, if you're Dan Lanning, you can win a national title here and you'll be the greatest coach Oregon's ever had. With respect to Chip and respect to other legends here, like you win a natty, they'll build you a statue. If you win four natties in Alabama, you'll be the third greatest head coach in Alabama history. I think it's the same thing with the New England Patriots where, yes, the Patriots are a dumpster fire. It's, not, it's a perfect, not a perfect comparison. But whoever comes in next, the question's not can you compete. The question is can you win six or seven titles? And I think that's almost the biggest argument that goes to Alabama where even if you're Dabo, if you're Sark, or if you're one of these other big-name guys that are kind of thrown out there, it's like – man, the expectations are high. Now, on one hand, these coaches, they believe. They believe they can do it. That's how they got to where they are. On the other hand, the rational part of their brain has to know, like, it's going to be hard to win that yep. fan base over. Yep. It, it really is, and I think that's a big reason why Dan Lanning stays. It's exactly to your point. He can be the king of Eugene, and he can, you know, live his life stress-free. Like, Oregon had a 10-win season last year. Did everybody call for his job? No, they didn't. They won the Holiday Bowl, and I think that's kind of where Oregon fans are at. They're happy with the success of Dan Lanning. Yes, they lost to Washington twice, but they won a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, they had 11 wins this season. They added on to success from last season, and I think Oregon fans are really happy with the job that Dan Lanning's done, especially staying today, which Oregon fans have had a brutal history with Chip Kelly and Willie Taggart, mm. and Mario Cristobal, mm. with their coaches leaving. Well, Dan Lanning, he wants to be a duck for the long run. He's young, he's innovative, and that's exactly what Oregon is. And I think it's so big that he stays. And I think that if anybody, anybody goes to Alabama, it's going to be really, really hard to sustain that success and really just try to win over any fan base like you said. Ask Mac Jones. Yeah. No, literally. <laughs> and, and ask Jalen Milrow. Hey, week three, they're benching him. You know, he's, he's lost one game, benched him, lost one game against Texas. Boom. Benched, you know, and, and at the end of the day, 
he was the best option for quarterback. They rode him out for the second half of the season, and, well, they went all the way to the college football playoff, lost a tough one against Michigan. I just don't know if Alabama's that much better of a job than Oregon this day and age because of how Dan Lanning has transformed recruiting here. Think about Evan Stewart. Evan Stewart just committed to Oregon, a former five-star recruit, a top-ten recruit in the country, number two overall player in the transfer portal. He comes over to Oregon now. You have another five-star wide receiver in Jorion Dickey. Oregon's going to have a top-five recruiting class this season. You're getting that at Alabama, but you're also getting that at Oregon, and you're in the Big Ten, and you're going into the Big Ten at a pivotal time where who knows if Jim Harbaugh is going to be there next year. Ryan Day may not be at Ohio State in two seasons. Oregon could be the top dog in the Big Ten by the time 2025 rolls around. Those are all true. I, the last thing I'll say is I think people at Oregon – because of Phil Knight, have this belief that financially Oregon's on the same level as the Southern schools. And I again, this is not me saying I've like, you know, dug into the financials, but from my understanding, they pay on a different level. And not necessarily salary, like he would have gotten however much he wanted from Alabama if he went there. Yes. But I'm saying as far as funding goes, I think Oregon does great with the money they have. I think that they maximize every cent. And that's one of the best things because of Oregon is the accomplishments they've made with the funding they have. I think the funding's a different animal down there. So the last thing I'll say, Knight, is I think if you, Oregon has great facilities, of course, the funding at an Alabama school is just different. At, at a Southern school in general, it's just different. The, the resources available down there are different. But I agree to your point that Dan Lanning could could run the Big Ten rather than try to be the third greatest head coach in football history. And I really do think people place a lot of value on the name, the, the, the yeah. name value, where if I'm a recruit and I hear, like, I hear Alabama, I want to go to Alabama. That shine's still there. Now, fast forward five years, we're gone, but, but the Oregon, shine's still but there. But Oregon's the same way. I don't I think, don't think Oregon is on the same level. Oh, I think it is, especially with Dan Lanning as his head coach. He's a premier recruiter. I think that's why you've seen the success. I, I think still the name think the of name Alabama. specifically of Alabama. Like, I think that you guys are just living into this idea of Alabama as this great place because of Nick Saban, but it's just not that university. Again, I think fast forward five years, what you're saying could be true. Yeah. The shine is still there, though. The Nick Saban effect is still there. Like, there's a reason. Bam... Bama is not going to be great without Nick Saban. I don't think they're going to yeah. be as good. I still think the name is there. There's a reason that all of these like second-tier SEC schools still get all these recruits. It's because it's SEC football. It's because you hear the name. I'm not saying that like I agree with it. Like I think if I had to choose right now, would, would I rather go to Oregon or Alabama as a five-star player? I would go to Oregon. But I do think... Like there, there are a lot of five star players who hear Bama and think, okay, I'm gonna get a scout to believe in me because I went to Bama. Well, Bama, no, Bama I, had a down year and lost in the semifinals. Like that's where Alabama football is right now. Now again, fast forward five years, it could be different. Bama had a down year and lost in the semifinals. Oregon had a great year and won the Fiesta Bowl. My my, I still will stand by this. I think that recruits hear Alabama and think Nick Saban. And I don't think it's not necessarily Alabama as a football program. I really believe that. You saw it yesterday. Alabama lost a five-star commit right after Nick Saban. Whenever, the, whenever there's turmoil, though, I think unless if they don't knock this higher – when I say knock it out of the park, I mean like a big name, a Norvell, Sweeney, DeBoer even. They, they, there will be a transfer portal nightmare in the second window. Even if they do get the big name, there still could be a max exodus. That's just the nature of college football. Whenever there's turmoil, people jump ship. That's the way it is. And, and uh, the last question I want to hit on before we move on and do our director's games real quick is, what does this do for the college football landscape? 
Like, is Alabama no longer the top dog in the SEC? Is it now Georgia? And then, heck, is Ole Miss even rising above that based on their success in the transfer portal and their success this year and the roster they're bringing back with Lane Kiffin? I think we had historic parity this year, and I think that was evidenced by a school like Washington competing and Georgia being as great as they were missing the playoff and an undefeated Power 5 missing the playoff. Like, there's a lot of context there. But un- a historic parity this year, um, I think this only exponentially increases the parity. Because as those players leave Alabama, they go to other schools. If Alabama has a down year, that's an open spot. I think that the parity in college football next year is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Georgia's the top dog. They're the top dog right now. I agree. I, I think I do think Alabama's still going to be really good. I think that roster is yeah. unbelievable still. We'll see how many stay. Yeah, that's going to be fun to watch. There's 30 days. That's why they're going so quick, though. That's why they're going so quick. They want to stabilize as quickly as possible. Because for 30 days, their roster is free game. The transfer portal is open for all those players. And they can't bring anybody in because the transfer portal isn't open to them to bring players in. It's only players can leave. Mm. And think about Dan Lanning. Recruiting Pritch right in the video. If you're worried about your coach leaving, come play here. And I think that Oregon hit on the head with their recruiting pitch, with the video today, just knocked it out of the park. Great stuff from the Oregon creative team. And I think with that, let's go ahead and move on to our director's games. Levi, you ready? Yes, sir. Let's go all aboard. Get aboard the bandwagon for a grand, happy feeling. All aboard. Loaded with your favorite stars and bright new talent. All aboard the bandwagon. Let's go ahead and start with Mr. Rastanote. Uh I'm aboard the parody in college basketball bandwagon <laughs> right now. All of the top teams losing. I, I, I think number one and number two lost in the same day, yep. right? Like, I, I think that's awesome. I think, like, a team like FAU, they've struggled recently, but but still, the, the, the way they're doing well, I love Stanford beating Arizona. I love all these upsets in college basketball. I think college basketball is having an awesome year. I think parody in the sport is a good thing. I, I Take agree. that, Griffin Bowes. I, I love parody in college sports. I think it's what makes college sports fun or the upsets. Um, I'm all aboard a you should take your Santa-themed stuff down but leave your Christmas lights up because winter is depressing and we need more lights. So <laughs> I like driving down my street and I see Christmas lights. They're just like white and blue and there's some colored ones there. There's no Santa Claus. There's no reindeer. It's just Christmas lights. Have and you I ever, like that. Have you ever spent winter in, in the Bay Area? No. Okay. I lived in Hawaii, though. That counts. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, it was like Proximity 70 degrees and sunny when I left. Yeah, um, well, this is Oregon. Yeah, and it's and not. I, I'm so just saying. I you think keep the Christmas lights up to spread some cheer and joy throughout the winter season. Someone obviously needs some cheer so and joy. So when, when do you take right them now? down or do you leave them out year long? I don't know. Cause like, I know, not, like not year long. Like I think like power. March or April, you start kind of thinking about it. I think it would be nice for the next three dark months of misery to drive by some lights when I drive home every day after a quack smack or work or class just to drive by some lights. Is that so much to ask? I, I think it should be after Easter. You okay, put them up for Jesus' birth, and then you take them down for Jesus' death. It's, it's a full circle moment. I didn't like that. No? <laughs> Anyways, besides the point, what I'm jumping all aboard on is yo-yoing. So on Christmas, oh, 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 oh. for Christmas, I got a yo-yo ah. in my uh, stocking. I've been yo-yoing. It's fun. It's actually very, very What fun. does rock bottom feel like? <laughs> 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 I don't know. I'm not Alabama, right? Uh, <laughs> oh, tough one. Tough crowd. Let's, 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 my let's other friends would have loved that one. <laughs> that would have killed my other friends. <laughs> uh, 
not fans of yo-yoing, eh? Dude, I just I, 2004 called. <laughs> they want their years <laughs> back. Like I don't know. Dude, I was two in 2004. I'm surprised that you. Levi were was like, like what eight, okay. ten, six. 14? I was six. I was six. I was six. Sixteen. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Anyways, fun thing. Uh, let's go on and move on to predictions. We got a couple of games happening this weekend. Oregon men's and women's basketball back at home together this weekend. Rare instance where both the men's and women's team are at home on the same weekend. Friday and Sunday women's basketball, Arizona State on Friday. Austin, let's start with you. Do they get the win over the Sun Devils get their first win of the year? I think they get a double-digit win. They get a double-digit win. Hey-o. Love that. Levi, how about you? I, I won't go double digit, but I, I do think they pulled the dub out. I think dub's up. Um, I think they pulled out. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I think this could be a ten point win. I think it's probably gonna be about an eight to twelve point win for this Oregon women's basketball team. I think Oregon this year has been really great at home. They've only lost one game. It was obviously that blowout against Santa Clara at the beginning of the year, but this has been an Oregon team that's had success at home. And I think that Arizona State's just not that great of a team outside of Jalen Brown and losing Ty Skinner's a Big loss for the Sun Devils. Let's move on to Saturday. Men's basketball versus Cal. Do the Golden Bears pull off the upset, or do the Ducks move to 5-0, and which is a rare start undefeated in Pac-12 play? Ducks move to 5-0. and what's And I think they win pretty easily. I think I this think Ducks team is really what's good. What's the score? 73-57. to mm, I'm going to go like uh, well, I think it's going to be double to win. I could see like a 65-70 to 70 points for the Ducks, looking in that 40-ish 40 to 50 points for the Bears. I won't get an exact number. I'm not that guy. But uh, I think a comfortable win for the Ducks. It's okay I'm to say you don't really, watch sports. really high on this uh, Ducks team. I'm really high on this Ducks team as well. I think that it's probably going to be a 73 to 62 finish. I think that Oregon Ooh, wins by 11. Okay. I think Cal makes it close. I think that Mark Madsen is a very good coach. Mm. Uh, I think that Cal has some players that can hit shots. Uh, and I, I don't know. I think it could be a little bit closer, especially coming off back-to-back wins against UCLA and Colorado. I don't think this is going to be a cakewalk. I think this is going to be a good game, and I think that Oregon's going to pull away late uh, and win it by about 9, 11 points. Sunday, Ducks versus Wildcats. Austin? I think the Ducks lose by 7. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I can't. What is that? I just found this near noise machine. There's <laughs> lots of options on it. It's really fun. Um, I do think the Ducks drop this one. I do think it's going to be competitive. I could see it be a game where the Ducks have the lead at halftime um, and then just can't quite close it out down the stretch. But competitive game, Ducks come up short. <clears throat> I, I think it's going to be a competitive one. I think that Oregon wins by mm. two. I think mm. they can get it done against Arizona. Who hits the game winner? Grace Van Sluten inside, draws a foul, goes to the line, and hits two free throws. Wow. I like that. I, I, is I that like is that. that a good take? It's a take. <laughs> Austin's like, no. Actually, what's going to happen? They're going to lob the ball to Philly, and she's going to dunk it. <laughs> that would be cool. That would be like. I think. Awesome. I think. Uh, no, what I think is going to happen is uh, Ducks have the lead. Arizona has the ball, and uh, they chuck up a half court prayer, drains it, but due to a shot clock error, it's wiped off the board. Whew. Ducks win. I'm kidding. Ducks are probably going to lose this one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have more faith in the Ducks women's basketball. I wouldn't be surprised, though. They've been really competitive. They've been good. They've I think been... Arizona's a winnable game. Yeah, I think that this is. team is trending in the right direction. I think that after playing USC uh, very close for a majority of that game, they were only down by one point in the fourth quarter against USC, and then USC pulled away and won by 14. Oregon 
this season statistically has been a great fourth quarter team i think they fixed that against arizona and arizona state they're playing in front of their home fans in their home court and arena i don't know i think that oregon can get the dub against this who wins the super bowl night oh i don't know um Mm. give me the buffalo bills Ooh, is that a take i don't hate that yeah i hate it (laughs) I got to go Ravens, I think. I think Ravens. I mean, it's a Ravens night over the Cowboys. Wow. I could see the Niners dropping one. I can't. I could see. I think. I, I think. I, I do think the Niners are. I, if I'm being really honest, good. I think the Niners are going to lose in the Super Bowl. They're the Ravens. Like mm. I, 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 That's just kind of where I stand with it. I think that. Uh, I just like, want to go chalk. I don't want to go chalk. I just don't want to. I just think that the. The, the Niners and Ravens are both leaps and bounds over the rest of their conferences. I, I, I wouldn't. I don't even disagree with that much. I think the Ravens are really good. I think the Niners are really good. I, just I think they're think all going to the, try really hard. I don't think the one seeds are just going to beat up. I think the Bills get it done against mm. the Ravens. I think the Niners go all the way to the Super Bowl and mm. drop it to the Bills. That would be a Niner game. That would be crazy. That would be very, very, very fun. What a fun show this has been. We talked some women's basketball, some men's basketball. We talked Dan Lanning coming back, and we talked what this means for college football. Fun Director's Edition with Levi Berkfield, Austin Oda. I'm Knight Uretsky. Tomorrow, Friday Night Spotlight, Austin Oda on call for women's basketball at 7 o'clock here on 88.1. You've been listening to Quack Smack on KWVA. If you miss any portion of the show or just want to listen again, you can find the full show recordings online at kwvaradio.org. Plus, we're on Twitter at KWVA Sports. Join us again for our next episode tomorrow at 6 p.m. right here on KWVA Eugene, 88.1 FM. Best in the